everybody as well today. A couple of announcements as we begin. We will have our Bible study this evening at 5. We will be in chapter 9 of the Westminster Confession of Faith and we will meet down in the basement or in the fellowship hall which is in the basement. So um, if you are available for that, please come. Um, Women of the church will not meet Tuesday. They met last Tuesday. Um, Elders and deacons will meet uh, Monday. Uh, Both of us are meeting at 5 o'clock and somewhere in the fellowship hall. Are there any other announcements today? Well, if not, our call to worship comes from the book of Psalms. Today, our call to worship comes from Psalm 38, and we will read verses 9 through 22. All my longings lie open before you, O Lord. My sighing is not hidden from you. My heart pounds, my strength fails me. Even the light has gone from my eyes. My friends and my companions avoid me because of my wounds. My neighbors stray far away. Those who seek my life set their traps. Those who wound, who would harm me talk of my ruin. All day long they plot deception. I'm like a deaf man who cannot hear, like a mute who cannot open his mouth. I have become like a man who does not hear, whose mouth can offer no reply. I wait for you, O Lord. You will answer, O Lord, my God. For I said, do not let them gloat or exalt themselves over me when my foot slips. I am about to fall, and my pain is ever with me. I confess my iniquity. I am troubled by my sin. Many are those who are my vigorous enemies. Those who hate me without reason are numerous. Those who repay my good with evil slander me when I pursue what is good. O Lord, do not forsake me. Be not far from me, O my God. Come quickly to help me, O Lord, my Savior. Let us pray. Our God and Father, we do thank you for these words of the psalmist. As David was wounded, as David was under threat of attack from enemies, under David, when David's enemies were seeking to ruin his reputation, he remembered his God and he called out to him. Lord, some of us may be in this place, some of us may be coming here to you to worship you today from places of joy, from places of thanksgiving or places of hurt. We ask that you hear us. We ask that you listen and that you come quickly to help us, O Lord, our Savior. 
To David's prayer of worship, Lord, we do add our own prayer, the prayer that you have taught us. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Please take Bible songs and turn to number 79, Faith's Penitent Cry. It was David's faith in the God who would answer that led him to cry out even from the depth of despair. And so let us take this time to stand up and remember that even in times of penitence, even in times of suffering, our faith can lead us to cry out to God. So let us stand and sing Bible Song 79, Faith's Penitent Cry. Please be seated. Just as David said that he would cry out and confess his sins before God, we have an opportunity to take time to confess. So let us take a few moments to silently search our hearts and confess our sins to God. John reminds us in his first letter to the church that if we confess our sins, 
God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Our scripture reading today comes from the book of Psalms, uh, Psalm 19. I'm going to read verses 7 through 11. Many of us are very familiar with the first part of Psalm 19 where David talks about the glory of God declared in the works of his hands. It opens with the heavens declare the glory of God and the skies proclaim the work of his hands. But today we are going to look at David's declaration that it is in the law of God where we see his glory as well. So hear these words. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinances of the Lord are sure and altogether righteous. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the comb. By them is your servant warned, and in keeping them there is great reward. The grass withers, the flowers fail, but the word of our Lord stands forever. Now is the time in our service where we consider how we may worship God through the giving of our tithes and offerings. We have a basket here in the front, an offering plate on the way out the door, or you may mail in your tithes and offerings.
Our God and Father above, we do lift our praise and honor and glory to you. And we do that by giving of these tithes and offerings. May you find them worthy. May you find them adequate for the worship that we seek to give. And may these tithes and offerings be used so that your name, your compassion, your glory, your holiness, your justice, and your grace might be shown to this world. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Throughout the Psalms, God is described as our refuge. God is described as our rock. And Jesus is the rock that was cleft for us so that we might have access to God's presence and God's glory. So please take your hymn book and turn to hymn number 271, Rock of Ages, Cleft for Me. Let us remain standing and sing. Please be seated. We are a privileged people. We were studying in Sunday school today that the Ark of the Covenant was given not only to represent God's glory in the people, but also to remind them of his covenant through the keeping of the law in the Ark of Covenant. It reminded the people of God's faithfulness in the keeping of the jar of manna in the Ark of God's Covenant and reminded them of God's call in the keeping of Aaron's budded staff within the covenant. We were reminded that we have the reminder of all these things within the Scriptures, within God's words, and we have the summary of God's truth in the Apostles' Creed. 
And it is what we are called to believe is the truth of the Scripture. So I ask you, Christian, what do you believe? I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. A couple prayer updates as we go to the Lord. Please keep Carol Mankins in prayer as she is... um, Going to UVA on Wednesday to get a pacemaker put in. So please be praying for her and for travel back and forth. Um, she does have to stay a night there. So um, you know, pray for her isolation, pray for her procedure, and pray for traveling mercies for Dennis and uh, also for Bill and Ruth as well. Um, we've been praying for a time for Michael Williams. He passed away this week. Michael is Mariana's grandson. So please be praying for that family. Also pray for the family of and friends of Gary Bland, Peanut, as many of you know him, as he passed away this week. Please pray for Missy Vance and for Chris as well. Missy did test positive this week for the coronavirus, the COVID-19. So please pray for her and protection for Chris as well. Are there any other updates? Uh, Lucas's shop is shut down for a while. That's right, because one of his co-workers tested positive and he was tested on Friday, so hopefully he'll get his results back soon. Right, so. Yeah, he's still feeling well, not having any symptoms. So. Anything else? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our God and Father, we are reminded of the presence that the one, the people who dwell in the shelter of the Most High will rest in your shadow, the shadow of the Almighty. You are our refuge. You are our fortress. You are our God in whom we trust. Lord, you offer salvation from the difficulties of this earth, from the snares that easily entangle us, from the pestilence that crawls across the land from the war and the destruction from natural disasters from nightly terrors and from the threats of living in a world that groans under the anticipation of redemption a redemption that is necessary because the sin of mankind has subjected our world to frustration, to oppression, and to wickedness. Lord, protect us from those things. Protect us from the traps of walking in this earth. Uh, Protect us from the traps of temptation, the lust of the eyes, 
the lusts of the flesh and the pride of life. Protect us from our fleshly temptations, whether it be food or pleasure or sex, whatever it may be. Protect us from those temptations and show us the way out of those temptations when they come before us. Protect us from our own pride. The temptation to think that we are more than we are. The temptation to think that we are sovereign over our own lives and the lives of the people around us. Protect us from the pride that usually precedes a fall and ultimately precedes destruction. Protect us from the pestilence that crawls across this land. This COVID-19 virus, we have lost someone in our community that was held in high regard and loved by many people because of this virus, and we have one within our own midst that is struggling with it now. So we ask for protection for Chris, for protection and healing for Missy, for protection for Lucas, and we ask that you stop the spread of this virus And Lord, as it marches across our land, we do ask that you show us where your people should seek repentance. As this hit earlier in the year, you took things from us that we take for granted. You took worship from us. You took the sacraments from us. Where have we fallen short? Where have we, your church, sinned against you? And where should we repent? Lord, you promised to protect us from wars. We thank you for a period of peace that we've had recently, but we live in a fallen world that is ruled by sinners. And so protect us from the war that often ravages lands. Protect us from the fear and the terror and the arrow that flies at night from the emotional and mental disturbances of this world. Lord, loneliness because of this virus has increased depression, anxiety, suicidal thoughts to levels that we, at least in our time, have not seen. Protect those who are struggling under the loneliness. Protect our most vulnerable senior citizens that are separated from families that are separated from loved ones, that are separated even at times from friends they have made within their facilities. Protect them from the dangers and the horrors of the loneliness, those terrors at night that come along because of the isolation. And and protect those of us who are separated from things that we took for granted in the past, hugs and handshakes, family gatherings, Friend meetings of friends in public places protect us from the horrors of loneliness as well. And Lord, we were reminded that all these things, pestilence, war, mental distress, are tools that our enemy uses to seek to separate us from you. We think of Job and just the things that befell him at the hands of the accuser in an attempt to get him to turn his back on you. And so we ask that you protect your church from 
the attacks of the evil one and his minions. Protect us from the despair that comes because of these attacks. And remind us that you are our dwelling place. You are our refuge. And you promise no harm upon your people. You promise no harm upon your church. And we know that while you will preserve a remnant, sometimes individuals within that remnant will fall. But we we seek to remind you, not because you have forgotten, but we seek to remind you that your remnant is made up of individuals. So we ask for protection, not only for the remnant, but also for the individuals within the remnant. Tread upon the cobra and the lion. Tread upon the lion and the serpent for us. In your love, rescue us from the dangers of this world, the, the, the known dangers and the unseen dangers of the powers and the principalities. We acknowledge you. We acknowledge you as our only God. And we seek your protection. Lord, today we call upon you and we ask that you answer. We ask that you remind us that you have promised us to be with us in trouble. That you have promised us deliverance and honor. And we look forward to long life on this earth and also the long life of glory with you where we will fully be satisfied in you and with you. And we will see the glories of your salvation. Lord, we seek to dwell in the shelter of the Most High. We seek our rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Be our refuge. Be our fortress. Be the God in whom we trust. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Proverbs. Thank you for your grace and your warm welcome to my friend Dale last week. I appreciate that. Thank you for a little bit of time away to kind of recharge my batteries. I appreciate it. It was so good, though, to get back into the book of Proverbs as I returned this week uh, to my study and to my study. And so please turn with me to Proverbs chapter 16. Take up your Bibles in your hands and let's read together verses 16 through 30. How much better to get wisdom than gold, to choose understanding rather than silver. The highway of the upright avoids evil. He who guards his way guards his life. Pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. Better to be lowly in spirit and among the oppressed than to share plunder with the proud. Whoever gives heed to instruction prospers, and blessed is he who trusts in the Lord. The wise in heart are called discerning, and pleasant words promote instruction. Understanding is a fountain of life to those who have it, but folly brings punishment to fools. A wise man's heart guides his mouth, and his lips promote instruction. Pleasant words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. There is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to death. A laborer's appetite works for him, his hunger drives him on. A scoundrel plots evil and his speech is like a scorching fire. A perverse man stirs up dissension 
and a gossip separates close friends. A violent man entices his neighbor and leads him down a path that is not good. He who winks with his eyes is plotting perversity, and he who pursues or purses his lips is bent on evil. Let's pray. To the great God above, we give you thanks. We thank you that you have moved us from darkness to light. And in moving us from darkness to light, you have made us able to partake of the inheritance that belongs through Jesus to the children of light. As we study this passage today from Proverbs, fill us with the knowledge and wisdom that you have for us. As we grow in that knowledge and wisdom, help us to walk in a manner that is pleasing to you and produces the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. Strengthen us for the ridicule and trampling of this world and for the patient endurance that we need to bring you glory in the midst of that. We know that the gospel is moving throughout the world, bearing fruit and bringing you glory. May it bear its fruit in this church and in the lives of the people in this church. Bring us understanding so that we may live in the power of your grace. Finally, Lord, give me your messenger, your spirit in such a way that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart may be pleasing to you. For you are our God, you are our rock, and you are our redeemer. It is in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Today, as we unpack this passage, these verses from Proverbs 16, chapter 16 through 30, we're going to look at two comparisons that Solomon gives to his son, a comparison between success and failure, and also a comparison between life and death. And as we see these comparisons, we are going to learn that since the life of wisdom leads to life for the community, we should pursue the wisdom of the law. So first, success versus failure. What is success? Where do you or how do you measure success? Our culture has a definition of success that typically centers around material possessions. Once you reach a certain level of monetary affluence or or material possessions or or power within the marketplace or even within the government, um, they consider you to be successful. You have the right house, you drive the right car, you pick up the right cell phone and you eat at the right restaurants. You have the correct list of friends who have influence and power. One of the ways, one of the problems with the way our culture defines success is that we pursue that success as an idol. And in pursuit of that success as an idol, we have a tendency to grab for those things by hook or by crook. In verses 16 through 19, Solomon works to remind his son that God defines success in different terms. Those who pursue their own or the culture's way are those who pursue a way, a path, a conduct that seems right to them, but ultimately leads to death, as we're reminded in verse 25. If we pursue the success of our culture, ultimately ultimately we will find ourselves at a dead-end road. And Solomon highlights this even more in verse 18 with his better-than comparison proverb. No, I'm sorry, 19, not 18. 
Better to be lowly in spirit and among the oppressed than to share the plunder with the proud. As we read verse 18, we should hear the echoes of Matthew chapter 5, verse 3. You know, blessed are the poor in spirit, for they shall inherit the earth. God's success is marked by humility. A humility that brings along with it the trampling down, the walking over of the culture. Better to be lowly in spirit and crushed or oppressed by the culture than to share the plunder of the proud. Plunder is a very intentional word there that makes us think of goods and money and things that are gathered by theft, by hook or by crook. And Solomon is teaching us that even though we can expect the rewards for the pursuit of wisdom, he talks throughout the book of Proverbs about rewards that come to those who are wise. It is still better to gain wisdom and to be oppressed, to be destitute, to be poor than it is to pursue the wealth, the success of our culture. In verse 17, Solomon teaches us that the path is actually pretty clear From one destination to another, we oftentimes say, God, show me the way to success as you define it. Verse 17 says it's a highway. It's a picture of a raised road, a a, a wide road that people would walk on to get from one point to the other. The directions are easy. If somebody were standing in the parking lot and asked me how to get to Beckley, I would say, take a right, go till you get to the interstate. You can't miss it. That's what Solomon is saying here. The road to the success that God gives to us is a road that you cannot miss. The way to wisdom and away from destruction is right before you. You can't miss it. But the reality is that sometimes we do. We get so tied up in our own agendas, in our own success, that we fall into folly and idolatry. And we miss the very clear way. And as we repent, as we turn from our own way, as we turn toward God, we are reminded of the yearning in our souls for a path that is described to us in Isaiah chapter 35. Beginning in Isaiah 35, 8, we hear these words, a highway will be there. It will be called the way of holiness. The unclean will not journey on it. It will be for those who walk in that way. Wicked fools will not go about on it. No lion will be there, nor will any ferocious beast get up on it. They will not be found there, but only the redeemed will walk there and the ransomed of the Lord will return. They will enter Zion with singing, with everlasting joy, will crown their heads. Gladness and joy will overtake them and sorrow and sighing will flee away. While the road from wisdom or from folly toward wisdom is clear to us, we oftentimes miss it. And as we repent of those times that we miss it, we yearn for that highway that Isaiah described, that highway that leads us from this world to what Bunyan described as the celestial city in Pilgrim's Progress. And that road, one of these days, we we await, we anxiously await, we pray for it at the end of every service when we say, come quickly, Lord Jesus. We await the time where the lion and the beast no longer prowls the highway 
to the celestial city, that that lion that's prowling that particular road is not the lion who is the lamb. It is the lion that seeks to devour, which is oftentimes a picture in the scriptures of our enemy. Of Satan who seeks to tempt and to accuse. Brothers and sisters, can you imagine a clear open highway that leads us from the folly of this world to the glory of the celestial city where we are no longer tempted to sin? Oh, how I long for that day. How I long for no longer to need to repent because I am no longer able to sin. I am no longer tempted to sin and I understand the glory of God to such an extent that I wouldn't want to, if I could, be tempted to sin. But as we await that day, as we await that highway, we have a clear path before us from folly to evil. It is the word of God. It is God's will for us revealed in the law, in the prophets, in the poets, in the, in the gospel writers, in the epistles, and yes, even in that crazy book at the end, the apocalypse of John, the revelation of Jesus. Success is defined by God and it is marked by humility. It is not marked by pride. Pride leads to destruction. Pride leads to a stumbling. Brothers and sisters, don't miss the clear highway ahead of you as you seek to find success as God defines it. Solomon not only talks to his son about success and failure, he talks to him about life and death. Verses 20 through 30 show a shift from this, uh, this summary of wisdom's benefits to a, another focus on how we use our words. Solomon spends a lot of time on words. I don't know if you've noticed that as we've gone through these first 16 chapters of the book of Proverbs. He spends a lot of time on words. And he reminds us in this particular section, verses 20 through 30, that one of the reasons he focuses so much on words is because we can either build up or tear down with words. We can go so far, he says, as to bring either life or death with our words. Our words should be sweet. Our words should be uplifting. We see the life in the words in this picture that he has in verse 24 of pleasant words being a honeycomb. Now this isn't just, don't think of just a honeycomb. Don't think of that structure, that geometric structure that the bees build in order to store their honey for the winter or in order to store their honey so we can then take it and eat it. This is a honeycomb. The word that is used here is a honeycomb that is so full, it is just dripping honey. Think of a land flowing with honey is the picture here. Your words can be as sweet as honey that just flows and flows and flows. Sugar was not as available in the ancient Near East as it is to us today. We have sugar in everything. Brothers and sisters, just pick up a label at the grocery store and ask yourself why a savory meal has to have so much sugar in it. Sorry, I'll get off my soapbox there. Sugar was rare in the ancient Near East. 
Sometimes you did have certain plants that could produce that sweet taste for you, but the main source of honey during Solomon's, or main source of sweetness, the main source of sugar was honey. And if you know anything about bees, they don't, pro, they don't process honey 365 days a year. There is a very specific season for bees to process honey. And so when you got honey, when you got something sweet, it was something special. I remember reading a, a book that was loaned to me about people who grew up in the coal country over 100 years ago. And the lady who was writing this particular story told about how special it was that once a month or once every several months, uh, her mom would just drop a little spoonful of molasses on a plate. And that would be their dessert. That would be the only sweetness that they would get for year, for, for months, for weeks. Think how much you would desire sugar if it wasn't so prolific. Think how much you would desire and be enlivened by a touch, a taste of honey if it was something rare for you. That feeling of enlivening, that feeling of sweetness, that feeling of something special is what we can get through good, life-giving, wise and encouraging words. In fact, Solomon says that those who promote instruction within the community of God have words that bring sweetness to the soul and healing to the bones. You felt it. I've felt it in those moments when we most desperately need encouragement. When God brings people into our lives that bring us that encouragement, it is healing, it is soothing, it is a balm, it is life. But Solomon doesn't just focus on the life-giving aspect of the words, the instructions, the, the community aspect here. He focuses on the fact that, that words can also bring death as we look at the second portion here, as we look from verses uh, 27, 28, and 29, we see that the scoundrel, the worthless person, the person who has followed folly for so long and whose words are so destructive that he is worthless to the community. His speech is like a scorching fire. It scorches himself. It scorches the other people in the community. The perverse man is the man who digs up, who looks for evil like he looks for treasure. And why does he look for evil like he looks for treasure? So that he can gossip and slander. That word there is actually, I believe, an intentionally vague word. Jerry Bridges says it could refer to any type of speech that tears down another person, either someone we are talking about or someone we are talking to. It is language designed to tear down, to destroy. Some examples that Bridges gives beyond gossip are lying, slander, critical speech. He says even true critical speech, harsh words, insults, sarcasm, and ridicule. As much as our words can bring life, they can bring destruction as well. They bring violence to a community. They bring violence to people. They lead people and entice people down a path. And the one who winks, the one who purses the lips, is the one who is seeking to entice somebody to evil 
and destructive words. It's one of the quickest ways to get power in a community or an organization. It's not to earn it for yourself. It's to tear the person down who is in power. It is to tear the person down who has reputation. Oftentimes we seek success. Oftentimes we seek power within our culture by tearing others down. By lying about them, by gossiping about them, by slandering them, by being critical, by being harsh, insulting, sarcastic, and making fun of them. Brothers and sisters, that's no way to power. That's no way to success. That's the way to pride and to destruction. Because ultimately, not only will you destroy the other people, you will destroy the community. And in destroying the community, you will destroy yourself. And ultimately, Solomon gets to the heart again. Sometimes I wish he wouldn't. Sometimes I wish he'd leave me with my surface, with my behavior, so that I didn't have to deal with the true root of the problem. But he says this in verse 26. He says, the laborer's appetite works for him. His hunger drives him on. The word appetite there is the same word that is translated in other places, soul or desires. What do you desire? What marks your heart? What marks your soul? That will determine whether you use words that give life or words that give death. Do you always want to be the most important person in the room? Your words will serve that desire. Do you seek the glory of God through the church and its work? Your words will serve that desire. And in Matthew 10 or 15:10, Jesus echoes this sentiment as, as he actually, this is like the second or third time he says this to a group of people, but he says, it is out of your heart that your words flow. It's not what you take in that makes you a sinner. It's not what you take in that makes you unclean or unworthy of standing in his presence. It is what is in your heart. And if we want words that Solomon calls a fountain of life, we must partake of the living water. In John 4, 14, he told Jesus tells the women of the woman at the well that he will be the source of a fountain of life that will spring from her heart and the heart of anyone that partakes of the living water. And Solomon says that not only are pleasant words a honeycomb, but they are also a fountain of life to those who hear them and to those who speak them into the community. We must drink at the fountain of life that God gives, that Jesus gives, in order to be one that is a fountain of life to our community. Since the life of wisdom leads to life for the community, we should pursue the wisdom of the law. Today's passage, Solomon ties the teaching of wisdom to the law through a reference to Psalm 19. Read with me the first half of verse 16 and the first half of verse 24 once again. How much better to get wisdom than gold? And then down to verse 24, pleasant words are a honeycomb. We read in verse 10 of Psalm 19 earlier today that the word of God is sweeter than honey, that the the word of God is more precious. The law of God brings more joy 
than silver and gold. And it reminds us that the earthly foundation of the wisdom that Solomon is teaching is the law. The heavenly, the spiritual foundation is the fear of the Lord, but wisdom is the earthly application of the principles of the law to everyday actions and decisions of life. And unfortunately, it cannot be done except in community. While I can learn wisdom on my own, I can only practice wisdom in a community. First off, the community of my family, then the community of this church, and then my community at large. And the foundation of that wisdom, as I said, is the law that is more precious to us than gold and silver, that is sweeter to us than honey. But what is the purpose of the law? One purpose is to point us to the standard that God expects for us to meet in order to be wise or holy or righteous. And another purpose is to point out to us how far short we fall of God's holy standard. And thanks be to God that He doesn't leave us with just the standard. He leads us, leaves us with what Peter describes in 1 Peter 1, 17 through 19. Since you call on a father who judges each man's work impartially, God will judge us for our wisdom and our application of wisdom. God will judge us for whether we pursue life or death in our words. Peter goes on to say, live your lives as strangers here in reverent fear. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. Brothers and sisters, as precious as the law is to us, it points us to something far more precious, which is the Lamb of God who has taken away the sin of the world. We cannot seek earthly success apart from God's definition. We cannot seek spiritual success apart from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so until the day that we find ourselves on the highway described for us in Isaiah 35, we must rest in the finished, the complete, and the precious work of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ to bring life to our community and to ourselves. Let us pray. Our God and Father above, we do thank you for these words. We thank you for wonderful words of life that you have given to us. And thank you for the reminder That once we have our heart right with you, we can speak life into our communities. Guard us from the temptation to speak death through words of gossip or false words or slanderous words or critical or harsh or words of ridicule. Help us to speak words that bring life and healing into a sin-darkened world. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. As we contemplate God's goodness to us, our response is love. So let's take the hymn book and turn to number 405. My Jesus, I love Thee. Let us stand and sing and profess that love to God. Once again, that's hymn 405.
As you seek to walk that highway this week, take this blessing upon you to him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. The only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power and authority through Jesus Christ, our Lord, before all ages, now and forevermore. And we pray with the saints, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen.